Behind the Shades. Daisy uh, Vasquez Vogt. I go by Daisy V. So originally I was born in Germany, but I've been fortunate enough to have traveled and lived in many different places around the world, amongst them Africa, Thailand, Dominican Republic. And um, that's kind of in the Dominican Republic is kind of where my story starts on the path on which I am today and what I'm here to share as well, because that's where I met well, my now husband, um, and my stepkids, hey, and um, met my son, my stepson, who got me going on this path right now that has me helping other moms, um, or even stepmoms, because I mean, I like to call myself, I'm not a mom. But then again, you know, stepmom, you really are a mom. So anybody that has a situation at home that really is a little bit more difficult, where maybe you're struggling, and don't know really how to take care of yourself and your child. Because in my sense, for example, our family uh, includes a physically disabled child. My stepson is physically disabled. So there's a lot of care that goes in there. And it was a long process to kind of get to the place where, you know, we're settled and we're okay. And we're able to share this with others as well and help give them strength and guidance and faith properly possibly for the future um, but you know along that path sometimes you need to hear from others to know that it's not the worst thing in the world things will get better and there's always a way out so I, that's why I like to share what what has happened to us and that's a beautiful story thank you so much for that wonderful introduction so from the beginning you mentioned that you're a stepmother mm -hmm. and you had your journey begin years ago so take us from that point in time how is it dealing with someone with a, a child a stepson well, who is going through that situation yeah well in our in our situation it was a little bit different because I when I met my husband I actually told him I am not good with children so <laughs> that was already a hmm, okay but um in our situation it like it was immediate love at first sight with the kids but it was also a moment where I noticed something was going on with my son and we were kind of in a place I don't know if any of your listeners or viewers have been to the Dominican Republic if you have but the medical I want to say medical environment industry whatever you want to call it over there is not really the most educated or best in the world and so there were a lot of struggles that we were going through at the time and even though I loved these kids and I have a stepdaughter as well she's four years older but it was not normal to me that this little boy who was five, four turning five at the time was always in the hospital and always sick and nobody really knew what was going on and the doctors couldn't tell us anything um, the parents, I mean, my, my husband didn't understand. They had told him he had dwarfism, but there was more to dwarfism to, to what he had than dwarfism because dwarfism just means you're little. It doesn't mean that basically what happened with Harvey is every time it rained, he was in the hospital. And I said, this, this can't be right. It has to be something else. So we started going along this process of figuring out diagnosis, looking at different doctors. Um, 
And we finally found a doctor in a city about five hours drive from us, which we went to and we had to take some blood and we had to send the blood from the Dominican Republic to Chile, which is all the way on the other side, basically, of uh, Latin America and get the diagnosis that he has a degenerative disease called MPS type six. And so I love to share a little bit about MPS because once you understand it, it makes things easier. So basically MPS, is a condition in your blood where it doesn't produce the right enzymes that our body normally uses to clean cells or to clean tissues. So like you and I, if we're healthy, our body will automatically produce these enzymes, get rid of all the toxins, and then you know, we, we just pee them out or get rid of them. My son's body doesn't do that. So over time, all the kids that have MPS normally get toxic buildup. And that's why it's called the children's Alzheimer's, which was very scary for us when we initially heard that, obviously, as to everybody it would be, because eventually these toxins, you know, they accumulate in their brain, they accumulate in their spleen, they accumulate in their heart and their liver and their organs just stop forget to stop remembering what to do and will eventually shut down. And it was a really scary moment. And now, you know, this is why I share, because even though we go through scary moments, there's always a light. There's always a way to figure things out. And even though we, it was in such a bad place, we said, you know what? We don't want this little boy to suffer. We want him to get the best possible and we're going to do the best we can. And so with a lot of research, with a lot of patients, we were able to find the MPS Society and they helped us to come to get to Mexico at one point where we were able to get medical help for Harvey. Now, the only thing out there that exists for kids with MPS is a condition is a treatment called enzyme replacement therapy. So basically every week he gets enzymes injected through an infusion into his body and it helped so much. But until we were able to get that, we had to move from the Dominican to Mexico. We had to find jobs. We had to find schools. We had to, you know, get health insurance. We had to do all these different things. So it was a process of about two years. Um, but it was it was beautiful because once we were able to get him the help that he needed, he started flourishing. He started getting better. He started, you know, his walking was better. His hair started growing again. His attitude got better. And it's just it was so worth it to go through these struggles, but still find help for him in the end, which we were really fortunate for. And then in Mexico, um, eventually it got to the point where he was 13 and 14. And I don't know how many of, do you have kids terrain? I don't have any children, but I will say I do have dependents, <laughs> but it's okay. definitely not the same. Yes. Okay. No, but uh, that's okay. But if you know, you know, teenagers, 13, 14, especially boys <laughs> start to go through all these hormone things and changes. And it's like, okay, we need, we need more help. And the body starts to adjust and change and things like that. So we knew we had to get more assistance for him because Mexico was also medically not capable of giving more than just, you know, that treatment. And so we ended up moving to the States and here now he's been able to get proper physical therapy. He's been able, you know, we're able to have the right doctors that actually are able to give him more assistance. They were able to operate some hernias on him, give him a port. So a lot of problems that we had in the past, even though we were going through all these medical struggles, we still always looked at that light and knowing that what we're doing is for our son and what we're doing is to give him the best life possible. 
And even though it was a struggle for us, the parents and for his sister as well and everything, we were so glad at the end just to be able to be here and have him healthy. And I think he's healthier than all of us together probably by now. So, so there was that light. But um, that also then got me interested in helping other parents because I realized just by looking at, you know, not even just looking at myself, because when you look at yourself in the mirror, sometimes you're like, whoa, this is not me who I was five years ago when I started this journey. But also like looking at my husband, looking at other families that goes that went through similar things and friends that I made along the way. I said, there's got to be a better way for the parents or the caretakers also to, to, you know, make sure that they're getting their cup filled before they continue to pour everything out into their families. And that's what got me then started on wanting to focus on helping moms, on helping other caretakers or even grandparents or dads who have a special needs child at home and who sometimes just feel way too overwhelmed with everything that you can, you don't even feel like you know yourself anymore or you have any energy left for yourself. So that's what I do. I come in and I help with that energy and I try to help them then fill up their cup because when we're better as parents our kids will always be better and our kids will always benefit from that or our dependents will always benefit from that right so that that's my mission and that's my goal and that's the path that I am on now and I know it can be difficult sometimes for parents or as you mentioned caretakers because we can get lost in taking care of our children right or Mm -hmm. those who are responsible for it can be an ailing parent it could be an ailing partner your whoever. husband, your wife, whoever, right? Yeah, absolutely. So for, for him to go through this at such a young age, because from what you've told me and what you've shared, he mm-hmm. didn't have the typical childhood. He could, meaning that he wasn't out and about outside with friends, things of that nature. So how do you think that weighed on him growing up? That, that was hard. And, and you're, you're right to touch on that point. When he was younger, um, when he was living in the Dominican Republic, obviously he was surrounded by, he did have friends. He went to school, Harvey did all of that. But when we made it to Mexico and he started having struggles, he was in a wheelchair. He had to get into a wheelchair, for example, because he couldn't walk anymore properly, or we had to carry him around. Um, it wasn't easy for him. And uh, because of that, because it was, you know, a new place, different people, not friends, having to make new friends, not being able really to go to school because of the restrictions that were there. I think if we would have been in maybe in the United States earlier and he could have gone to school or been at a been at an institution where they help children with those kind of needs, it would have been much better. We just weren't in that position right there. And so we had to make the best with what we had. And so we tried to, you know, do interactions with each other. We tried to go out on the weekends and take him to the beach, even though, you know, we'll just carry him. Who cares if he's in a wheelchair, right? We'll just put him on the ground in the sand. It doesn't matter, you know, just to try and keep him that social and keep him interactive and keep him open to the world because he's also blind and he's hard at hearing going deaf. So it's hard when you have all these restrictions and you're like, well, what's the point of me taking him to a movie if he can't see the movie? (laughs) You know, but 
it's about the feeling and it's about having that family time and it's about the attitude and the gratitude for it because we're blessed to be able to do things as a family we're blessed that we have you know a movie theater to go to or a beach to go to or all these things because there's so many people out there that don't so i think that helped him a lot is the attitude of gratitude a lot because he is very grateful for everything and he realizes that yeah I might not be able to walk but hey I love playing uno and I love my dog and you know all these people are always around me my grandparents live down the road from me I get to play po you know it's it's those kind of little things that I think have helped him a lot um to keep that positive mindset too going and I think sometimes those who aren't going through those situations who are considered um, who have their full faculties and things like that. I think that gets lost sometimes because it's very easy for, let's say, and I don't know your medical history, but just based on the way we look, mm -hmm. it's easy for someone like myself, you and others who aren't going through these challenges to focus solely on the negative because we take for granted the, the senses that we have, our sense of sight, hearing, smell, mm -hmm. taste, feel, and we don't appreciate, hey, there's a whole population of people that are unable to walk, but they focus on other things that bring them joy. There's people out there that there isn't family members or friends that they can turn to, mm -hmm. but they're able to find joy in another way. So when you mentioned that, fine, he's not able to maybe see the movie or interact with it, let's say like other people, mm -hmm. but he still wants to be a part of it. And I think that gets lost where we're like, well, yeah, there's people out there who have cerebral palsy. There's people who out there who are in a wheelchair. There's people out there who can't do some of the things that we can do pretty easily. Mm -hmm. We tend to ignore them. But in your case, that wasn't it. You still said, let's do this as a family. Let's share the love. So when you were doing that, what was the response within the family when you guys were doing all these activities together, regardless of what he or anyone else was going through? Oh, everybody was always on board. I mean, our uh, they love going to the beach with us. They love my the, our families because we're so spread out. It's hard for us to do things together. Like most of my family is over in Europe. Um, when we were in Mexico, the rest of our family was in the Dominican Republic. So it was always just our family was. Hillary, Harvey, my two kids, my husband and me, and that was it. So, and we always did everything together because it was only the four of us. And so I don't really know how others looked at it. I know that now they always join in because when we rent a place to go for the weekend, they'll come with us. When we go to the pool, somebody's always there with us. Um, but I think that also a lot of people don't realize that you don't really need that much help around in order to make your life good too. Yes, it can be. And it's very challenging with more, with, with a special situation, like a kid in a wheelchair, let's say, for example, that you have to carry, but you make it work. And because there's single moms out there or single dads out there that do it too. <laughs> so if you have like a unit and you have a, a, a partner or you have a sister or you have a brother or an auntie that can help a lot of people like you said are focused on the negative and it happens in special needs families too and very very easily because it's such a difficult situation and it's so easy to every day go oh no this is too difficult to do oh no we're not going to do this because it's going to get too complicated oh no we're not but you're robbing 
not just the child or the person you're caring for of love, you're robbing yourself of love, you're robbing yourself of joy too. So that's like, once you understand that, you can do anything you want. You don't really need the assistance from others. That, that's at least my little belief <laughs> in my tiny little world. <laughs> what were some of the ways that maybe helped you to continue to stay positive and fill yourself with all this joyous adventure in your family? <laughs> Well, there's some days where it's not so joyous and we all go through those too. I mean, I'm not painting a pink picture here. There's good days and there's bad days. But I think the practice of taking care of yourself and learning how to help others care for themselves was for me a very big thing because once I sat down and I learned about nutrition and I learned about you know, how relationships influence us, how our outside environment influences us, how our positive mindset can influence us. Once I learned these things and started noticing them in other places, I realized, okay, these are things I have to implement in myself because I know that if I don't, I can very easily go down into a spiral of depression and never come up again. I mean, it's, it's so simple and it's just, all I got to do is turn on the news. <laughs> it's like, there you go. Want to be depressed? Here you go. Um, so it's like, okay, you know what? No, that's not the life I choose. I actively choose the choices and the thoughts that I have in my mind. And then one day there'll be a thought like, oh, Daisy, you really don't want to do this today. And I'll be like, yeah, you really don't want to do this today. But hey, not today. I'll do it tomorrow. But, you know, and I'll talk myself into it nicely somehow because somehow it's going to get done anyway. <laughs> So I think that's a practice that everybody needs to have. Everybody needs to be very conscious of. And that's why I love sharing it with others. Because once you have that practice, not only your life, but the whole world starts to look nicer and starts to get better. And you can start to influence others as well, because your kids will start to see that. And that's how you actively start to build a more positive future, I believe. When you make your world nicer, then start influencing others to make their world nicer. And then it's just a snowball effect. So Daisy, so you shared some beautiful messages and it was so insightful because when you were speaking, I was actually taking it to my life and saying that this is something that I can focus more on. Because as you mentioned, we turn on the news and it's like, oh my God, my anxiety is building. And because, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's so crazy. But one thing we can do is we can find something that's going to be more positive or a better word would be, would be something that's more constructive to our day Absolutely. so as you're doing this are there certain tasks or let's say certain hobbies that you make sure that you're doing day to day to help you along well actually better yet to help your family along since it's all of you together in this mm -hmm. i call them hacks actually <laughs> i call it hacking my life because i um and yeah, there's a couple of things we do. I mean, apart from making sure we eat right, I mean, that is so big in our house. Um, I, I know the things that we put inside our bodies are the things that provide our energy. So, and once you learn that, and once you start to feel that and actively live it, you'll do that more. So one of the big hacks is we make sure we eat good food and we're always nourished well. Um, but other things that we do, like my son and I, we meditate. 
we do deep breathing exercises on a daily basis. To him, it's not called meditating because meditating is boring. And it's like, you know, the worst thing ever. Like I have a 20 year old son who thinks like a 16 year old. So it's like, no meditation was that. It's like weird. But, um, but so we do deep breathing exercises, which is really good for the body because it also calms down the brain. Um, we listen to a lot of positive audiobooks, right? We listen to um, a lot of stories about Christ and Jesus and the Bible because that he really loves that. And I, that's the spirit that we have. So that's what pushes us forward. Um, and we play games. Like we, we make sure every day to do something that each of us really enjoys. So, for example, for my son, it's playing Uno. So we will make sure every day, and yes, it's every day, but every day we will play at least 15 minutes of Uno because when that is done, he's happy. And then basically the rest of the day, I can boss him around to do what I want him to do because <laughs> he's already gotten that. So it's those little hacks that we that we utilize to make sure that we stay healthy and we keep in that mindset too. Um, when we have a moment, we all have moments of craziness we all have moments of freak outs you know and you know my husband will just say to me just breathe breathe <laughs> or I'll say to him babe it's okay go walk outside for a second and then come back and I'll deal with the rest so it's it's a partnership but it's also a knowledge between us all so we all know like okay you're talking strong right now calm down and it's not meant as rudeness or attacking but it's helping each other to stay in that mindset together so I think that's a big hack for our families that we all are working together on it and is that how using those hacks is that a way how the boundaries are being set within the household as well? As well. We not, we don't really need to, we have our boundaries pretty set. I mean, we've, we don't really venture much from our daily schedule. Like my son knows what he can do, what he can't do. There's no, there's no reason really for boundaries because it's just the three of us. And we all have always had a lot of respect for each other. We love each other dearly. And we know that it's only the three of us because, you know, my daughter, she's obviously older now. She lives with her friends and she does her job and she's got her thing going, but the three of us are always going to be it. And that's what we love because we can, keep ourselves tight as a unit and working together. And even though, you know, we have his grandparents close, we have his aunt close, my daughter is close, of course. It's not like we're excluding them, but because it's the three of us pretty much all the time, especially since COVID, um, it's been kind of no issue in that sense. Because when you mentioned that, I look back at some of the um, special needs mm -hmm. or as many of them will call themselves like um, those from the disabled community. And the understanding that I got, and this is an appreciation because of something that I had to learn myself, mm -hmm. because I think in general condition one way, but speaking to a number of them, they made it clear, um, very nicely, of course, <laughs> they made it clear that they wanted to be seen mm -hmm. and treated like everyone else. Yep. Yeah. They want to make sure that, yes, I have this that I'm going through. But it doesn't define me. It's just a part of Absolutely. me. And I looked at it as that's, that's a very noble and honorable to wake, look at it because everyone has their struggle. Mm -hmm. It's our job as a person to turn that struggle into a success or for it to be as successful as possible. So when you mentioned that Uno, because I remember playing Uno as a kid and I used to love Uno. <laughs> and I know there's a joke where like when someone... Like in life, when someone um, 
puts you in a situation and then you come out of it. You're like, oh, I just Uno reversed you. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, so anytime I used to hear that, I used to bring it back to my childhood. Nice. Um, so for you now, is there any tips that maybe you'd want to share with those who have a ch- a someone in the household that is going through something similar and they want to learn how to be better for them? Well, first of all, I always tell people to look already at what you have and just decide where you need to be better. Because if you sit down with yourself and really like quietly come into yourself and into your brain, if you know what I mean, your body, your mind, your soul already knows exactly what it needs. Right? You just have to learn to listen. And so for some people, it might be as simple as, hey, you just need a nap today. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Or you might need to go get extra help, or you need to have a sit down and talk clearly, maybe even with your child or your partner or whoever, and make up a plan. Or I need to drink more water because I'm just, all I'm doing is drinking soda. And I know that's not bad for me. Your body will tell you, right? And so I think the hardest, like the biggest problem we have as human beings is to listen because we always think we already know what's going on and this is a constant discussion with my husband and me but listening is such a big part not only to the people around you but also to yourself so if you need to take a break if you need to make a change listen to yourself first before you go outside and go, what is it that I need? What is it that you need? What is it that this, no, in here has to be okay before you can go and work out there. And that might be like a nice big task just to start out with, because if you're not feeling well and you're exhausted and you're tired and you can't even sleep at night because you're so exhausted, well, then maybe issue number one is I need to find a way to get better sleep. And that can be, a process in and of itself, right? So start small, start where you are and don't try like my story and what you see here is a process of 10 years of constant growth of sweat, tears and grind, (laughs) but it will happen. And as long as you're willing to do that work, it will be a beautiful journey for you, but just start small. That's probably half the battle just making sure that you are okay because we put ourselves in a situation where we try to be everything at once instead of let me get there when I get there. As you mentioned, mm-hmm. this is a 10-year process for you. It's not like you woke up one day and you're like, okay, my stepson, there you go. My stepson has this. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I am going to be Wonder Woman. I am woman. Hear me roar. Right? It wasn't, I will be, but it'll. I'll, be. I'll, I'll cry along the way, but yeah, I'll roar in between. It's a two. process. It's of a course. process, and we learn from the tears. We learn from the pain. We learn from the suffering. We learn from not knowing, because mm-hmm. it's not like, and this is one of my favorite movies. It's not like The Matrix. We can just plug in, download it into your brain, and say, "Okay, here comes Mom of the Year." Wouldn't that be so different. cool? Well, I wish. Like, I, I would be the CEO. <laughs> You know, I just pick a company King today, a different company tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> but that that's how we would get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and your journey has been your journey because you probably had to learn some things, not only about your situation, but you probably had to learn some things about yourself. So like, what's some of the things that you learned about yourself where you're like, is that me? Did I do that? 
<laughs> yeah, sometimes there's some things where you can really get surprised. Like, I mean, there's been moments in the hospital where I showed some strength and the the doctors were looking at me like, wow, you do this? I'm like, yeah, well, you know what? I don't have a choice right now. I cannot show fear because my kid needs me to be strong, right? So, you know, those are the things you learn. You learn that you're much stronger, I think, than we give ourselves credit for. Um, and that we're much more resilient. And I mean, that's not something I learned about myself, but I think the biggest thing I learned in general is that there's always a reason to have faith because it will always work out. No matter what, you might not see it. It might take much, much longer than you think. But the one biggest lesson I learned is to have faith. <laughs>